Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Hey Juicy Lemoners, before we start the show, we wanted to remind you to follow and subscribe to us on whichever podcasting app you're listening to. And as always, enjoy the show. What's the difference between teaspoon and tablespoon? This week on Lemon, millennials are the first generation to learn how to cook online. But can we preserve the art of cooking like previous generations? And what is the hashtag Free Britney movement all about? Does Britney Spears really need our help? And joining us later on the show today, short film director Angela Coe talks to us about what it's like dating as an Asian woman in 2020. Each week we dissect the conversation Asian millennials are having. Don't go anywhere because you're listening to Lemon. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lemon. As always, my name is Philip Cooch and joining me today is Thomas Chen. Hello, welcome to the show, Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> today I want to start the show by asking you. What type of Asian are you? Are you the type of Asian when you get new things, you leave the wrapper on? Or are you the type of Asian that leaves, takes it off? Are you purposely coming for me because you already know the answer? I do the best. <laughs> I'm setting you up. I am the Asian that leaves a wrapper on everything. Is that not a psycho trait? No, it's psycho, not. Like, it's a psychotic no, trait. Because like, I don't want things to be scratched. I want things to be leave in mint condition. Like for TVs, for your radio, for your phone. I still have my wrapper on everything. Literally, your your phone has a sticky tape on it <laughs> <laughs> on the screen. No, that's because I'm cheap. That's a bit different. Um, well, the reason why I asked this question is because we both got VRs recently and you left the wrapper on every single thing on your VR, on the lens <laughs> and everything. And I'm the type of person who, when I get things, I don't really protect it. But that's because I, I'm a firm believer that I want to immerse myself and enjoy the full experience because like for the vr for example by leaving the thing on the vr thing right like the, the, the plastic the plastic or protect on the vr it kind of like takes away from the experience it's not as clear and like it's not as hd so you're not getting the full experience of the product yeah but okay let's say that you get sick of your vr and you want to sell it let's say your vr has so many scratches who's going to get their dollars back look i think those dollars are worth worth the experience i don't think so i'm the type <laughs> like, of guy you, it's gonna you're gonna get half price no matter what anyway so a bit less than half price is fine you can tell me after we both have a look at both of our remotes our tvs at home one day and let's see whose remote is cleaner mine with the glad wrap and the rubber bands are protected or your chunky ass remote with some food bits and pieces in it look, whatever you can just get a new remote it's like 20 bucks <laughs> Take a live look now outside. Ladies and gentlemen of America. Ariana Grande lick and spit on the merchandise. There can be a hundred people in the room. Lady Britney alone. Catch me outside, how about that? Rise and shine. China, 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 China. So our first segment today is about Newton Nguyen, who's also known as Milk Tea Puppy. Is that he say a puppy? Papi? Pa- papi? Like, pa- you know, papi? the... Dad? Daddy? Is, ma- is Papi Mexican for daddy? <laughs> I think it is. I feel like the internet has destroyed the word dad or daddy for me now. That's so true. 
Um, but yeah, Pappy, Milk Tea Pappy. So he's kind of like the breakout star of the COVID-19 lockdowns. And he's kind of like, I guess like not just Instagram famous, but like TikTok famous and Twitter famous and YouTube famous. And he has millions and millions of followers on his social media because he makes really easy to follow cooking tutorials, which has yeah resonated with everyone um, across the internet because we're all at home, we've got nothing to do. So yeah, it's easy to follow these tutorials and... and so many of my friends follow him, but it made me think, it made me think about how during lockdown, I noticed so many of our friends baking and cooking and it's kind of like for them, it's like an achievement to cook. Mm. And so it got me thinking like, have we lost the art of cooking? Cause it's no secret that millennials are actually can't cook. Like we, <laughs> we, we depend on Uber Eats and, and, and takeaways. So that's not a secret. Tom, I would consider yourself a pretty good cook, so <laughs> I want to know, like, where did you get your cooking skills from? I think I got my cooking skills from my mum and my sister, and I think what it comes down to is the availability of, can you access food quite easily? Because for me, I'm really cheap, and I'm quite poor as well, so Uber You're Eats poor. for me, I'm very <laughs> poor, for Australian standards. Being cheap and poor is different, <laughs> two different things. <laughs> but... Ordering Donut Dash or Uber Eats for me is such a luxury. It's a big luxury. And and I think I only got that habit through you. So a lot of people nowadays, they only order, they people who can't cook and people who do have the luxury do go out and get Uber Eats as their foundational kind of meals. But for me, I can't do that. So nowadays, cooking for other people or cooking yourself I think it's such a like a, a treat or almost like a traditional treat or something that's seen as love. Yeah, so many of our friends, like if, if they have an anniversary co- like coming up, they'll cook their partner like a really nice meal. And that's like a big milestone. Um, whereas like in our parents' generation, like what well, they cook every day. So like it's nothing new for them. But it also got me thinking like, because I would consider myself a pretty bad cook, right? And <laughs> <laughs> I've cooked you a few meals and... <laughs> <laughs> and whether we can, can consider them as a meal or not is questionable. Look, I haven't died yet, so that's a good, that's a good sign. <laughs> um, but it made me think, like, you know, a lot of Asian millennials these days, like people our age, we are living at home and we're kind of expected to live at home for longer than, I guess, like our other friends, like Caucasian friends and other cultures. Mm. So, like, now that we live with our parents for longer, like, we, we kind of, like, I guess, like, depend on our parents to cook for us and so we don't actually pick up those skills. And an example of this is like my mom constantly reminds my my sister, who is a bit younger than me, saying that you know when I when I was your age, I, I cooked all these meals and stuff like that. You should you know you should be in the kitchen with me, learning how to cook and everything. Can Karina cook? She cannot cook. She is worse <laughs> than me. Like if you think I was bad, your mom's a great cook though, phenomenal cook. And what when I look at your family, right? When I see your mom have so so much of these skills to cook, I'm just thinking, why don't you want to learn these skills? I just can't be bothered. Oh. <laughs> well, do you learn from your mom how to cook? Yeah, I mean, like, she told me how to make a lot of Malaysian dishes. And just a lot of the food that I cook myself is passed on from my mom. Mostly because, like, growing up, like I said, like, eating is such a big luxury. So, we didn't have that growing up. So, I guess me learning those skills. But it also got me thinking, the internet has been a huge tool for me, I guess. Not besides cooking, but also learning a lot of life skills. So I got a lot of my skills. I can sew, I can knit. And because growing up, I actually didn't have a dad. I grew up with a single mother and my sister. A lot of the male things that I had to do, I had to learn it from online. So we're learning how to cook online, but I had to learn how to shave. 
when I had my first moustache. <laughs> oh, to be fair, me too. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it's like the internet has been such a useful tool for our generation. And now it's so readily available there that we've become a bit lazy, I guess, into putting those tools into good use. That's so true. And I was actually doing a bit of research about this online. And um, Google has this like other unit of their company where they do a lot of research and write stuff about stuff like this. And I think they called us the generation of like, oh, I forgot the terminology, but there's something like the I, I want to do it generation where if we want to do mm. something, we YouTube <laughs> it or we Google it. Yep. Um, and so the same thing with cooking. Um, compared to other generations, only a third of us like feel confident about cooking and can consider ourselves good cook. And 60% of us actually cook with our smartphones in our hands. And this was in 2015, so it's probably a lot more now. Um, but it's been pretty funny because, like, recently I've started cooking a lot more as well, and I've been um, ordering a, one of those meal prep companies where they send you the ingredients and then you just... <sighs> Don't get me started on meal prep companies. <laughs> you just chop it up and you follow the instructions and, and you just cook it. Like, the one thing I'm, I'm just really curious about is, like, you know, we kind of live in this hustle culture where we're always hustling, and coronavirus has kind of, like, re made us reset and pause for a second. Um, and I just want to know, like, do you think this is, like, a moment for us to really slow down and really pick up, pick up cooking again? Like, be the, our previous generations where we actually know how to cook and know how to fry an egg and boil an egg mm. and not burn it? <laughs> mm, so going back to... Slowing down, I do think that now's the time to really pick up tools and skills that are essential, you know. Cooking may be one, learning how to, you know, change a tire, learning how to unclog a toilet. And I think a lot of these basic life skills, they're not really taught at schools. Yeah, and do you think it's because now we have TikTok, for example, and TikTok videos are only like 30 to a minute, right? And now there's so many awesome like life hacks and tutorials on mm. TikTok. Do you think the next generation of kids are going to have be more skilled than us? I think, hello, look at, like, this 12-year-old who looked like 20-year-olds. Like, oh, my little brother, who's, like, how old is he? Like, 14? He can build a computer. 100%. It's, like, all these pe all these skills are on, like, I think they, the younger generation, Gen Z, is it? Gen Z's knows how to... Are they Gen Z's? I think they're, like, the I, I generation or something. I thought they were Gen Z's. I don't know. I don't know. Because we're millennials. The one below, I think, is Gen What's Z. What's the I, I generation? I don't know. But they, the younger generation, know how to access information a lot more quicker than we do. And I guess knowing how to access, they're obviously going to do it a lot more quicker than us. So, you know, coming back to the 12-year-olds who know how to put eyeshadow on better than a lot of people who spent going to school with it. People know how to put computers together like your brother. People know how to do this and that. I think we are the generation that may be falling behind soon if we don't. Harness those skills that's available on the internet. How scary is that? We're going to be like, you know how like when growing up, we used to laugh at older people who can't mm. do things online. We're going to be those people soon. No, I really know that's actually starting to be me. Like, I'm like, I have an iPhone. I don't know how to use it here. I then I give it to you. I'm like, you do it. I don't know how to do it. <laughs> you know what I did the other day? I asked my brother the other day. I'm like, do people still use Snapchat? <laughs> He's like, yes. Everyone uses Snapchat. I'm like, what? They still use Snapchat? Yes. All the kids still use Snapchat. They don't use Instagram to message each other. Oh. They actually use Snapchat as like, WhatsApp. But my Snapchat's so dead. Well, that's because we're old. Oh, all the no. kids all the kids are using Snapchat still. Like we thought Snapchat was dead because Kylie Jenner, right? But mm. no, they all the kids are like on Snapchat still, like Shit. messaging each other. But going back to the topic, I do think it's really beautiful. Like my mom's a great cook. I do want to know some things that she, well, everything that she can cook so then I can cook it for myself one day or cook it for my family one day. So I think there is a art to like passing on like family recipes 
Um, which, you know, learning online is great, but like, it's not the same, you know, for example, like one day if your parents were to pass away, you know, you, you're not going to get the same meals from, from, by just copying someone online. I agree. And even though it may take, let's say one or two hours to prep something and actually cook it, I think the meaning and the tradition behind it outweighs the rewards. No, is the reward. Well, we do want to know what you guys think, you know, do you think, all these online videos and TikToks and stuff, like teaching people how to cook, are they good or are they bad? Head to our Facebook page or our Instagram page and let us know what you think. There'll be more lemons shortly, but first, here's a few words from today's sponsors. Well, our next segment is about hashtag free Britney. And I couldn't think of anyone better but my friend Jerome, who's like the Britney Spears <laughs> um, super fan. Would you say that? Super, super fan, fan, mega fan, hey, yeah. That's, that's me. <laughs> so, Jerome, tell us, what is hashtag free Britney about? Um, so, pretty much it's just like a fan movement going on social media about cancelling the conservatorship she's under. So, what happened is a very a famous Britney podcast, they just received a voicemail from a credible source saying that Britney was being held against her will at a mental facility around the time her tour got cancelled very suddenly, which was already speculation about. Oh, is that the 911 call that was leaked about Britney Spears saying that she's been held against her will? Yeah, yeah. So people are saying she was being held against her will in protest of this conservatorship and she doesn't want to work for her father anymore until she gets some sort of freedom. Um, But yeah, ever since then, she's allegedly been refusing medication and halted every music activity possible to protest her father's control over the situation. Wait, so what is a conservatorship? Oh, so like in its simplest terms, it's used to like manage like financial and business affairs of someone if they're deemed unfit enough to work. So this is usually people who are old or mentally disabled. Um, in the conservatorship forms, it says that Brittany is suffering earlier onset dementia, which is a very rare case for someone of her age. And it's very suspicious considering she's worked a lot in that time since she's been put under conservatorship, but it officially happened in 2008 where Brittany um, was taken away from her house and put into rehab because she locked herself in the bathroom with her two sons and police was called to mediate the situation. Press um, arrived, it was very heavily documented and ever since then, things haven't really been the same for her. Uh, it's because I'm not a really big Britney fan and I do see things which is good. The only thing that I know about Britney is like, you know, her 2007 meltdown where she shaved her head. And, but yep. is that, What's happening now? Is that because of what's happened back in 2007 or has that been a bit of a lead up or is that part of it too? Or uh, I think it's a lead up. Like a lot of the things she was going through, I don't think mental health was a very big subject back then. Like I think back then everyone was laughing at the situation, but now as time's gone on, we've, we've gone a bit more empathetic to people like with mental problems. And once you really, I guess, dissect the situation of what she was going through, she was going through a divorce. She was partying heavily, doing God knows what substances. She was followed by the media a lot of the time. So I think... Everything that happened is just being revealed now into what's happening with her life. Yeah, that's really interesting because 10 years ago when this, or more than 10 years ago now, like 13 years ago, yeah. when this did ha- happen to Britney, her, her and her mental illness, that was used against her. Whereas stars today like Demi Lovato and stuff like that, when they talk about their mental health, it's been praised and it's been like, you know, wow, they're mm. opening a conversation about mental health. But really this happened to Britney 13 years ago and we were pretty much the whole world was against her. Yeah, and I think that's what makes Britney such like a, I guess, a spearhead in this whole movement as well, because she was the very first um, person to be so publicly like documented 
about it. And I think it's because of her that all these other stars are now able to come out and talk very comfortably about their mental health, which I guess is a good and a bad thing. Like it's sad that Britney did have to go through that, but I guess it's better for future generations going forward that we can have that sort of conversation about it. Wow. And, and you know how Britney is known for like lip syncing, right? Do you think mm-hmm. the reason why she's, she does lip syncing only is because her dad and the people who control her don't want her to be, I guess, like doing anything or that her voice has maybe been damaged by all the years of like putting on a voice maybe? Because apparently there's been rumors about her being told to put on a baby-ish voice because, um, just because they want to make her sound young, make her sound different. Yeah, is there yeah. is that, is that um, any reason behind that? Well, you can see like in her early videos and we're talking like pre-Mickey Mouse days, um, she has like a very low register in terms of vocals. So some of compared to Christina Aguilera, she's mentioned, as in Britney's mentioned that she sung a Whitney Houston song to audition for a record label. But I think they just found it more marketable to put on this voice that we know her so well for. Like any song you can put on with that voice, you can tell it's Britney. Yeah, that's why um, when she did that video of the New Year's video, you know the one we always laugh about? The one... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good morning, America. Good morning, America. She's like, good morning, you're watching Good Morning, America. And her voice is like super deep. Good morning, America. I'm excited to tell you on Tuesday morning, March 29th, I'll be performing for the first time ever in a special concert in San Francisco's historic Castro District on Good Morning, America. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. I think, yeah, just like ever since. Also, look, you can find videos of her singing live probably from when she debuted, so 1999, probably around 2002, 2003, that's when the lip sync really starts being like used heavily. And even when she's using that baby technique on stage, you can tell it's not the best technique. It's not being delivered right. It sounds good in some places, but it sounds really off. Um, and just all, like, it's at times like very uncomfortable, which is like very sad. Mm, so what's happening with Britney now? Because it sounds like, I haven't gone down the Britney rabbit hole yet, but she's been posting strange things on her Instagram and like, Fans have been leaving, like, for example, I saw that fans has been leaving clues like, hey, Brittany, is everything okay? Is everything, if it's, everything's not okay, then wear a yellow shirt. And then a couple of yeah. days later, you see her wear a yellow shirt. So what's actually yeah. happening with her social media now? Yeah, well, uh, people do allege that um, she's not posting on her social media, but she does, like, see the comments. So I guess whatever she records, it's then filtered by her father and then what he decides to post. But, yeah, there have been many comments on, like, say, TikTok and Instagram where the top comments would be, oh, wear black if you're in trouble, yeah, wear yellow if you're in trouble. And then, coincidentally enough, she wears those colours in her post. So that's been very alarming in addition to everything else that's been happening. And there has been a video as well of her holding a hat with very small text on it. So she's, she has this hat, she's spinning it around, like being playful with it, but then fans have uncovered, like when she actually spins it around, it says help in very, very small words, <gasps> which is wow. yeah, very alarming. So obviously her father benefits a lot from this financially by, I guess, like controlling her and, you know, making her do, even though she's apparently not mentally all there, you know, she's doing all these tours to release four albums in them in those in the time in that time and also mm-hmm. done perfume and everything how has her mom responded to this because the, her parents are divorced yeah yeah so her mom's never directly commented on the situation which neither has like Britney or her father or anything and she's not listed as conservator on in the case so from a legal standpoint she doesn't have any control uh, as it seems but yeah I think um Jamie 
Jamie Lynn. No, Lynn, sorry. <laughs> Lynn. Um, yeah, I think she supports me, but there's just not much she can do. Mm, and if I don't know if you guys watch Black Mirror, but people have been linking this to the um, Miley Cyrus episode. Yeah. Um, so um it's the Ashley Two episode where she is she's a pop star, but then she's being controlled by a label and then she's forced into a coma while they oversee all her activities. And people have been making links to that um to that episode as well. It's a bit eye-opening and a bit scary if you think about it, because you don't think this sort of thing would happen in real life mm. but at the same time what's, like it's show business like well the free britney movement has been picking up a lot of steam especially in the last couple of months and it's been going for mm-hmm. the last couple of years what are your yep. thoughts about it do you think it's there is some truth to this or do you think it's all conspiracy theories uh, i do oh uh, look i'm 50 50 about the situation like a part of me like doesn't want to like come to any concrete um, concrete allegations saying, oh, this is true, this is true, but there's, I guess there's so much public information about there, about saying, just when you put everything together, like, I guess something just doesn't add up. We've seen Britney acting in ways like that are questionable. Like, I still love her, but a lot of people have been like questioning like her mental health recently. And then we just like put two and two together about how everything's been happening in a sort of timeline. It's just, oh, I do, I do believe something is up. And it's just even more suspicious that no one has come directly forward from Britney's side to, I guess, neither confirm or deny these situations. So it just puts more fuel on the fire. But I don't know, I guess whatever the situation is, like, I do want to support Britney, but I know in, because her father is so heavily, heavily involved in like her businesses, like, I guess you're listening to her music and buying her merch and stuff, you're supporting that control mm. over it. So I do want to support her, but from a, like an objective standpoint, you know what I mean? Mm. Well, thank you so much, Jerome, for being our resident Britney expert. Um, We'll be definitely following this and we'll definitely have to have you on again when when (laughs) there's more news about this story. So Angela is someone who's like done a lot of short films and she's a director and writer and she made this short film about um, dating, like dating as an Asian woman in in 2020. And it really like not struck a chord with me because I'm not a girl, but like it it really (laughs) gave me insight into like what it was like dating as an Asian woman in 2020. Like being, being an Asian woman. Yeah. And like dating and being set up by your parents and like being pressured by your friends to just go out and date. Like, and especially when you're in your thirties and I feel like being a woman in your thirties is a lot harder to date. Mm. And so I caught up with Angela and spoke about the film and, and also spoke about what it was like dating um, as as an Asian woman and asked her why Koreans always ask for your blood type. And I thought that was really funny. Yeah! <laughs> they do. They actually do. Um, but yeah, I did do this interview a couple of weeks ago and this film was submitted to, to all the short film um, awards and, and festivals and stuff. But it's been put on hold re- uh, recently because of coronavirus. But I think she said there was a link that you could go to watch it. So I'll ask you to make sure that if that's possible, but otherwise I'll drop the links down below where you can check out the Instagram page and watch the short film. So tell me, tell me about Romance Deadline. What is it about and how did you get the idea to, to make it? So Romance Deadline, as you know, you can probably tell, um, it's about romance deadline, like romance having the deadline. Like I feel as though like we're living in a society where like, the society tells you like when is the great time for marriage when is the right time like if it's too early like for example i have some friends that got married like young like 23 22 it's looked down upon like it's too young but then if it's past like 30 you're like 
oh man, you gotta go, man. Like, <laughs> you know, like even if you don't have a partner, like you still gotta go. Whether, I don't know, like you, you get like set up by the parents, especially, you know? And like, especially, I don't know about like, I don't know about like where you're from or Australia, like, but where, where my parents are from, Korea, there's a term called nochonyo. You know, you saw it like from the film. Nochonyo yeah. means like a failure, referring to any woman though. But there is also a term for a guy, nochongak, but it's not as like a bad term, you know? Uh, so, what does it yeah. mean? What does the guy vision mean in Korean? Nochongak means like you, you're quite old, but then you're not married. <laughs> but it can be justified because they're a guy and as long as they have the money or the career it's justified but as mm. for women like this can be related a uh, re- relatable to anyone but especially like koreans or like chinese or stuff like that because it's more more like that in those countries i, I yeah it just sucks to be you know, <laughs> Korean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So in in the movie, in the short film that you you did, there's you look, talk a lot about you know the timeline that women have. So tell me a bit about the time because I I know every woman in the, every woman in the world knows what timeline is, but for guys out there who might not be consciously aware, can you just tell us what kind of timeline is kind of expected on women in this day and age? Yes. Um. I mean, first off, I'm not married and. My mom has been bugging me like since 26 ish. And like, but then before, when I used to have a boyfriend, my mom was like, oh, you shouldn't be having a boyfriend right now. You should be studying, you know? But all of a sudden, she's like pushing me hard around 26 because in her generation, 25, 26 was the right time. But as for me, I'm not saying that's not the right time. I think if I do have somebody that I really, truly love, I don't mind going, you know? But it shouldn't be about something I don't mind doing. I should be, like, sure of it. You know what I mean? Like, it has to be the one, I think. I feel as though people, you know, like in my mom's generation and my grandma's generation, my grandma got married (laughs) when she was, like, 16 because it was the norm Mm -hmm. in her timeline. And um, she was telling me before she passed away, she told me that she met my grandpa um, on the day of the wedding. I mean, like, it's, it, I think that it's ridiculous, but in her, like, perspective, it was a normal thing to do because her friends would have done the same thing, you know? That's the norm. But if you don't fit that norm, if you don't go through that same thing, you're the odd one out, you know? Mm. So as for me, yeah, like, I do get pressure from my parents for sure. Like, even though, like, I was brought up in New Zealand and I lived in the States, I still do get the pressure because they still think, like, super Korean. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's really funny, though. You mentioned that your grandma met your granddad on a day of her marriage. And it's actually yeah. very, very common because my parents... Um, they were they didn't have Tinder and stuff back in the days. So my <laughs> my mom met my dad um, through my grandma 
she introduced mm-hmm. them together and they were kind of like like arranged marriage like and I think they only met each other like once or twice before the day of the marriage and yeah. arranged marriages in I guess like in as an Asian American or Asian Australian um, it's no. not common because we you know we want to find and wait for the one whereas for our parents and grandparents it's not about that they think that love will grow over time and it's not kind of instant Right, and I grew up like watching my cousins, like having to marry somebody just cause, just cause they hit the clock. You know, like it's not like my cousins had like boyfriends at that time, but they knew they had to go. So and they did. I mean, I'm sure they're happy because they think that's what they should have done anyway. And that's what they believe like happiness and like love and stuff. My definition of love isn't the same. Maybe it's the difference like in generation, maybe. Even my cousins, like she's like four or five years older than me, but she thinks like my mom, like my mom, how my mom would have done, you know? Um, she thinks that's the way and that's the um, only way. Because making your parents happy is an ultimate happiness. So mm. that kind of makes me look bad. <laughs> but yeah. So you wrote, you wrote and produced and directed Romance Deadline. And you did mention that some of the film was, um, was from your personal experience. But how much was it, does it come from your personal experience? You know what? Um, a lot actually like 95 percent. like those i mean i did include a lot of guys that are jerks i'm not saying all guys were jerks i probably (laughs) i i'm sure there are good guys for other people but it wasn't like for me and i don't know if i can spoil too much but a lot of guys do talk about money do talk about career do talk about their looks and judgmental towards girls so it's it's a quite common sighting for sure in dating life (laughs) whether it was online or like apps and stuff you know which right now I'm pretty against it (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of women around the world you know they they deal with you know their own societal pressures of getting married at a young age having a baby before a certain age how how is that experience different to an Asian woman in 2020 I mean, I would say Asian culture is definitely stricter than anywhere else, for sure. Um, I do think that it's partially because, um, you know, the history, like, of, like, mom's generation, like, I would say, like, they want you to have a baby so that the legacy goes on and on and their name stays, you know, longer and longer. I think that's what it is. Like, so, meaning... We should get we should get married so that we can have more babies, you know, early on, you know. But in, it's funny because in Asian country, uh, especially Korea, I could only speak for Koreans. Um, but we look down on people. We tend to look down on people who have babies um, without getting married. So, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a pretty judgmental society that we're living in a world anyway. <laughs> Um, so, you know, we talked a lot about pressures from our parents. What about pressures from our friends? Do you think that there's pressure from our friends to, you know, just, just go and date, have fun and just settle down with whoever, you know, you come across with, you know, you're at a certain age now, just get who you can get. Do you get Mm -hmm. that kind of pressure as well? 
speaking of a Korean uh, dating culture, um, it's it's a very like a couple place. You gotta have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. So whenever I would go visit like my hometown, they would always ask me like, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Do you have a girlfriend? That's the first thing. Seriously. Like, how are you? Do you have a boyfriend now? And if I don't, even if like, it's my choice not to have a boyfriend sometime, you know? But they think that, oh, no, like, is something, something's wrong or what? You know, like, no, there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong. I just, you know, I just don't happen to have one. Or like, I just don't feel like having one. You know what I mean? And um, as for like my American friends, they, I'm not saying all American friends are like that. But um, they're very like free spirited. <laughs> mm. And they want to just like they want to take everything like light you know they're more of like they're more into like games i would say they're they're more of like oh how many guys have you dated it's like a competition like how i guess like now that you have a i guess like a few years experience of dating now how do you think that has compared from i guess like when you first started to to now i would say i don't get hurt easy i would say like i used to suffer <laughs> from a breakup longer than you know what it, it did last up to like two years um at one point like <laughs> but looking back i'm like why didn't i date many other guys like during that i could have dated like three or two you know looking back um but now i now that i'm older um I don't get like really heartbroken. I do stay strong and um, I don't just jump into a relationship and I don't, unless it's a real feeling, I don't even want to try. And it's funny because sometimes it's not, it's, it's not just up to me either. It's harder to get liked (laughs) because it's not like I'm young and fresh, you know? And, um, yeah, same goes for guys, like guys nowadays, like they do have like higher standards than ever, you know? So in the film, Sangmi goes on dates with some, this is not a spoiler, but she goes on some Mm -hmm. dates with the guys that her parents set her up with. So you haven't been on a date where your parents have set you up or you have not had, you haven't? You know what? Um, they try several times. Every time I go visit them. They would like criticize me if I don't go on those kind of dates, you know? And even my friends actually say, oh, you should go. There's nothing that you're going to lose, you know? It's a free meal, you know? <laughs> and also, like, it's networking. Like, he may give you a good job, you know? I mean, I get that, but then I've never been on something like that. But I do know normally it's taken place at a restaurant. And um, apparently, like, there's a way that. I don't know. There's <laughs> certain things that you ask. I don't know. Like I've never done that, so like. <laughs> I'm just I'm just trying to imagine the conversation of what it'd be like. Um, uh-huh. I, I wouldn't even know how this conversation goes. Would it just be yeah. like, "Oh, how did you meet my parents? How did you meet my mom?" <laughs> <laughs> you know what? The that part is a fiction, but that's like also coming from my own experience in the sense that I watch my cousins having gone on those type of dates you know and i do see key dramas and showing one of those sons you know and it's really awkward you know what i actually like went to a restaurant one time i did sit 
I did get sit seated next to those couple and it was so awkward it's like great meal but it, it's an awkward situation you know it's son you know your parents you, set you up with that can you tell us what what you heard from that conversation how did that conversation go with those two couples it was very fake superficial stuff it was like it wasn't as mean as the character that i <laughs> but but it was about totally age for sure how old are you you know but not in a condescending way but like um just to break the uh, ice i would say korean people tend to ask age and like the blood type and they say oh if you're this you must be like that you must you know like i don't know like american people don't tend to like we do talk about like aquarius being like this and gemini being like that but like not like you know you know how asians are they're so into this stuff <laughs> it's pretty funny like talking about blood types you know it's a common common talk <laughs> I actually, no i actually need to ask you why do, why do koreans always ask each other what is your blood type why is that important you know what i do think that it's pretty accurate <laughs> It's like it's but like you know, it's like the Korean version of star signs, isn't it? Because they think people think that you can, I guess, like tell someone's personality just by their blood type. Is that right? It's true. It, it's really true. Um, I would say to not to judge, but like to gaze, like gauge um, how somebody is. You know what, what what you like and stuff like that. Like icebreaker. Yeah, day one of meeting, I can guarantee you. You're gonna be asked the age, blood type, for sure, for sure, and yeah. yeah. I've been on a date with a couple of Korean guys, and they've definitely asked me for my blood type. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us all the way from Orange County, which is miles away. <laughs> California. Yeah. I mean, it's not that great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us this week again. If you want to check out Angela's short film, then head to the comment section. Not comment section. What do we keep saying that? You think of the word on YouTube? I know. On a podcast. Oh my god. Okay, head down to the um. What the hell is it called? What's it called? The uh, the note section. Oh, I'm totally blank. It's not even bio. It's not like Instagram. It's, it's the notes section the of the show, show, notes. show notes. Yes, show notes. Head to the show notes. Um, but as always, if you enjoyed the show, then make sure you have subscribed to us on Instagram. Not Instagram. Make sure you have to make sure you have subscribed to us on Facebook. Wait, what? Are, what's wrong with me? Make sure you subscribe to us on any podcasting that, that you're listening to in Apple, iTunes, Acast, or Spotify. Also, make sure you check out our Instagram page and our Facebook community and group where we post things behind the scenes as well. As always, thank you for listening up to here. Philip, you need to watch on your brand and know what's happening with you. But as always, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye.